This is episode 146 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Paranoid Prepper, You Can Prepare Anywhere, Tools to Help You Maintain Situational Awareness in Your Local Community, and Protecting Electronics and Cars from an EMP, Simple, Easy, and Effective. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started on uh, the articles, uh, just a, just uh, a few things here. I'm trying something different. I have a software that allows me to uh, record my um, my screen and what I'm doing here. It allows it to, to go into a video. And so I thought I might record that while I am doing the podcast. Uh, the audio might not be as good because it's not going through the microphone and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm just using the onboard mic, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, I used to do something like this years ago uh, on for just prepper website. I would pull out a few of um, a few of the articles that I thought were were really great for the week, and I would uh, talk briefly about them and do a video uh, on them. I wouldn't read them or anything, but just kind of talk a little bit briefly about it and and do it. And I just never really you know continued it. I don't know why. I just never got around to doing it. But I think uh, you know I'm wanting to see if this helps out. You know, and, and uh, get the word out. Proper website uh, of the podcast. I've been very happy with the results. Uh, lately of uh, you know how we're growing and so I'm, I'm really appreciative of that and everybody that's been a part of the podcast and coming and listening uh, so uh, I have that going on the thing about the podcast and when I record that I'm able to stop and edit it and do all those kinds of things if I need to uh, with the video I wouldn't be able to do that as easily and so um, if uh, if I do the video if I wind up uh, actually posting it to YouTube it's going to show all the flaws and all that, so it'll it'll show when I mess up, and it might be uh, it might be a fun reel of blooper bloopers uh, when it's all said and done. So uh, anyway, uh, let let's get started because I have a couple of things I want to talk about before we actually get into the articles. Um, you know, m- my friend over at uh, Sheepdog Man, Justin uh, Cummins, uh, he's he's got a, another like a news uh, website, and actually Justin is the guy who did the. Uh, uh, the graphics for uh, the podcast, so I appreciate that. But uh, he does a lot of preparedness articles over at Sheepdog Man. But uh, over at the Cummins Report, it, this is kind of a more news-based uh, uh, website, and uh, he's playing around a little bit with doing uh, maybe like a, a daily uh, recap of the news that was going on there. And so, uh, you know, yesterday he did the September 11th one and talked a lot about what was going on with Hurricane Irma. And one of the things. You know, one of the things I do on um, for when I eat lunch is uh, I usually eat it at my desk, and that's how I catch up on news and stuff like that because I just stay pretty busy. So if I'm not doing, um, if I'm not in meetings and stuff like that, I, I try to catch up on news. I'm on Twitter, finding out what's going on. Uh, I go to my feeds and, and catch up on the on the latest news. And sometimes I do like if you hit me around, if you hit my Twitter account around noon, one o'clock around there. Uh, I am uh, usually doing, if I find a great article that I might not link to on Prepper website, I, I tweet it out. So, um, you know, FYI on that, if you're on Twitter, 
Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I'm catching up on a lot of the news and stuff. But it's helpful when you have uh, you know people that are doing summaries, right? And so uh, I appreciated his. And one of the things that I was looking for today was pictures on and information on what was it like, you know, what's going on with uh, Hurricane Irma and and all of that. And uh, saw some pictures. Very devastating. It's just crazy what what's going on there. Uh, I think it could have been worse. They said that if it would have gone the Miami route. Uh, it would have been uh, 150 billion dollars worse. Um, so that's a crazy, crazy thing to think about. But the damage is still horrific when you look at all the things that were happening. And there's still a lot of people without uh, without electricity. Uh, I I believe I I was reading this article where they were talking about. I can't remember who it was or where it was, but they were saying that this might be uh, the longest or or the the biggest. Uh, job as far as laying new electrical lines in the history of the United States. So that's pretty crazy. One of the things that Justin was pointing out in his uh, in his video was that a lot of the people that evacuated are, are really ticked off because they're not allowed to go back into where they're at. And uh, you know the police are holding them back and they're telling them they can't go back there. It's for their safety. But uh, you know one of the guys that he was referencing said, you know, I've been, I've lived in the Keys for 40 years. This is the first time I've ever evacuated, and because of the way they're treating us now, I'm not, I'm not going to ever evacuate again. And so that's, you know, that's part of the concern that I think, um, well, it, it can go two ways, right? So when uh, the authorities are out there, this thing could swing two ways. One that people hear about this thing where the authorities are not allowing people to go back into their homes. The people want to go back into their homes and see what damage there is. They want to go and start cleaning up. They want to get on with their lives. They want all that. And so uh, people will get that will that information will get out and people will never evacuate again because they'll be afraid that they won't ever be able to come back in. So you have that aspect of it. You have the other aspect of it is when people are allowed to go back in they might see all the damage and everything and say, you know what, it was a good idea for us to stay out and those kinds of things. The, the issue is, is that there's some people that didn't evacuate and so they're there and so they're, you know, they're, they're where everybody else is want, you know, wanting to be. Uh, and you know, there's pictures being taken and those kinds of things and so there's people walking around and that, that kind of stuff. So um, if you're interested in, in Justin's uh, daily report, you can go over to his website, thecumminsreport.com. And uh, he also has a YouTube channel. You can go check that out uh, over there. And, uh, of course, his, uh, his website, his preparedness website, Sheepdog Man. Uh, we always link to his stuff on Prepper website. One of the articles that I found on InfoWars uh, as I was clicking around were, was that on the Virgin Islands, you remember last week we talked about that decree, that, that order that went out by the governor of the Virgin Islands and said that he could, uh, you know, confiscate weapons. I don't know if they really did or not. Uh, I, I, I really haven't been able to, to find that information if they did. If someone, if you've heard that information that they really did go door to door and take people's weapons, uh, if you can let me know, that would be great. But one of the things that they're that they are saying is that there is widespread, uh, you know, violence going on, and people are uh, like, you know, the first day that people were like, okay, let's get together and let's, you know, let's look for food and all that kind of junk and let's see what we can save. But but by the end of the day, it started setting in what kind, you know, how bad it was going to be, and uh, you know, people started, you know, coming in in with machetes and different things like that. So uh, people will find any kind of weapon 
uh, that they can. And so this is, you know, Infowars. A lot of people are going to have problems with, like, you know, Infowars and all that kind of stuff because Alex Jones, sometimes he, he's over the top with, you know, the way that he talks and the way that he comes after a certain situation. But they're quoting Fox Business News here uh, in their article. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to this one actually on Prepper website. So uh, if you're interested in this one, you can go check that one out. But, uh, you know, the Virgin Islands that are controlled by the, uh, the United States are a little bit better off, although people, from the reports that I'm reading, that, uh, you know, people are still, you know, are, are threatening people with machetes and all that kind of stuff. The other islands that are not United States, that are not, you know, that belong to other countries, they said are far worse. And so um, that's, um, man, I just, it's hard to imagine what's going on. Uh, and there was one thing that uh, Justin pointed out in his report is that uh, where there was uh, the United States was coming to evacuate people off of the islands who wanted to get off, they had to sign a report uh, that or sign a, a you know a document that they would pay back the the United States government for uh, you know getting them off the island for reimbursing them for their travel, and uh, that's crazy to think about. But uh, you know that's it's out there, so you can go check those out. Hey, a quick shout out to Prepper Bits. They did, uh, it's a new website um, that we are going to be linking to them on Prepper website. We are going to be reading their articles on uh, the podcast as well. But uh, they link to, uh, down, down uh, in their feeds, they did link to the Prepper website podcast. And so I do appreciate that. So a quick shout out there. I'm going to be linking to them in, our, uh, uh, in the show notes so you can go check them out. Hey, the back to the basics. Um, back to the basics. Living Summit is still going on. It's from September 10th through September 16th. So uh, you can still go. You can go register, and uh, as soon as you register, you get sent an email with uh, with the links that you can go. This is on-demand video. So I was mistaken. I thought that it was going to be like a scheduled kind of thing where you could you would watch throughout the day, and I was totally wrong. It's on-demand video, so you get the links that come out. You get to watch exactly what you want to watch, and so this great learning, uh, great learning opportunity if you're interested in that. And so uh, you know we have that in the show notes and at the at the podcast. We have great. Uh, there's great uh, presenters, you know, from the preparedness community that are presenting on all different kinds of things. And so uh, you know, just go and you give your name and your email. And uh, you're registered, and then they'll start sending you out, sending out uh, all the information. So uh, I'm recording this on the evening of September 12th, so you can go and uh, you still have a couple of days worth of, of watching this free content, and uh, you know have some have some great learning there. All right. So that's uh, the back to the basics living summit. Uh, doc, well, yeah, I'll link to it, but that's for September 10th through September 16th. All right. All right, so our first article of the podcast comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And uh, this is an article that was written by Paranoid Prepper. Um, and the, the title is, You Can Pr- Prepare Anywhere. And I, I really do appreciate this, um, this article. And so I'm going to re- go ahead and get into this one. Uh, again, it's called, You Can Prepare Anywhere. By now you may have realized there is a prepper myth that I just don't agree with. The idea is that urban centers and perhaps other locales are simply impossible to survive in SHTF. I believe you can prepare anywhere and that the smart move is to do what you can where you are. 
in my case that is the People's Republic of New Jersey, the most urbanized state in the USA and home to an overpopulation of black bears. Part of the problem is setting appropriate goals. If your goal is homesteading, then the middle of a city is probably a poor choice. On the other hand, if you are located in an urban area, that doesn't mean you should give up. Being partly prepared is a huge advantage over not being prepared at all. I set my goal of being prepared for a year-long event for 20 people. How many people are actually prepared to the same level or beyond? I would guess very few. And I would just, in my uh, personal opinion and what I have learned from preppers that I know, I would agree with them on that one. Uh, someone once ran a poll on a prepper forum asking how much food people actually had stored. The average was six weeks. Let's take this e e even further. Let's say you live in a city apartment with a family of four. You don't want to move at the present time. What can you realistically do? What is an attainable goal? The problem becomes a trade-off between how long you want to be able to stay versus storage space. If you want to set a goal of keeping your family in place for a 90-day event, you need to be able to store enough water, food, and other supplies to last 90 days. Using similar math to my earlier calculations, you need 360 gallons of water just to stay hydrated, more if you want to clean or flush toilets, and 24 5-gallon buckets of rice and beans or other foods for variety. The rest of your supplies will not be so voluminous. You can acquire the water in 5-gallon containers from your local grocery store. You might also want to consider a water bed or a water bob for your tub. There are also products like water bricks to help with water storage. Spread them around so you don't overload the floor. Food storage and ubiquitous long-term storage, 5-gallon buckets, can be stacked up against a portion of a bedroom wall or in a closet. At this point, add one firearm, bar the door, and a family of four can survive in their high-rise apartment for 90 days. This is longer than any emergency that I have experienced in my lifetime, and Murphy has definitely been out to get me. In the event of a longer-running disaster, like an EMP, that same family can at least hold out for 90 days before having to evacuate. If you compare that to the survival odds of someone who did not prepare at all in a similar urban setting, the prepared family is clearly much more likely to survive the sort of disaster preppers get concerned about. Security. You might be thinking that security would be an issue, but the smaller the space, the easier it might be to secure. For instance, you can use security measures like you might use for day-to-day -day crime deterrence during that 90-day event. Add a sheet or two of plywood to block windows or patch attempts to go through walls and you can ensure any home invaders have a very bad day. If you can arrange a small amount of electrical power, like a goal zero, you can add security cameras to allow you to see what is coming, even if the power is out. A well-stocked first aid kit should be on hand no matter where you live. My message is simple. You will never be completely prepared for all eventualities, but you can always get more prepared than you are now. You can improve your preparedness where you are. It isn't necessary to abandon modern life to be much better prepared than you are at present. You need to set a reasonable, achievable goal in order to prepare. You can then plan and prepare against that goal without distraction by the fact that you may not be completely ready for Teotihuacan. A few people died during Hurricane Sandy and a large number in Hurricane Katrina. There is no need to be vulnerable to the next big hurricane just because you can't see how to prepare for an EMP or can't afford to leave your job to move out of the city you happen to be in. Even if we experience that EMP, would you rather be someone with 90 days of supplies or someone who isn't prepared at all? 
I think the answer to that one is obvious. Set a goal for a level of preparedness that you can achieve where you are and then try to fulfill that goal. If you achieve that goal, nothing prevents you from setting a more aggressive goal at a later date. Don't let the naysayers stop you. All right, so there are four comments here. You might want to you know, go and check those out. Good information here. Um, so a couple, a couple of things. First of all is, you know, some people will tell you, if you, if you can't prepare for all of it, you know, you, you know what are you going to do? You, you're just preparing, just uh, you're prolonging your, your death, right? Uh, and so you get a lot of that a lot of the times. And, and then especially if you go put something out on forums or even on, on some Facebook groups, you just get really attacked really, really, really quickly. And sometimes there are, there's a lot of things that people can't do. You know, so there, there's a lot of people out there who'd love to go homestead, who'd love to be able to do that. And they're not in a position where they can do that right now. But does that mean that they don't prepare? You know, that does that mean that they're not in a situation where, uh, you know, they might need to be prepared for a two weeks where they're not able to go to the grocery store, or maybe even longer, maybe a month where they're not able to go to the grocery store for whatever reason. So that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be prepared or you should not be prepared. You should be thinking about what you're doing. Again, it always, always, always goes back to, you know, what are your plans? And they mentioned it here in this article, what are your goals? So uh, you always need to, to, to take that into consideration. So just a couple of points that I want to point out here. Um, in, in an apartment or in a high-rise, depending on how, how, where you are in the whole situation, there's advantages and disadvantages. So uh, we have a good uh, family friend who we've known for a long, long time. And uh, she's in a more of a, it's not really assisted living, but it's, in a, it's uh, I guess, apartments for older people. And so, I mean, there is help if you need help and things like that. But when we had, uh, when we went through our last big storm, not Hurricane Harvey, but uh, before that, uh, they lost power. They lost power for a long time. And, uh, you know, they lost the ability to uh, to get water as well because the pumps were on. They're in this, uh, you know, apartment. I think it's like four stories or something like that, four or five stories. And so they lost the ability to pump water. So what they were having to do was to go downstairs, pump water, or, you know, they had a water hose and they'd have to carry it up. And so you're talking about older people who rely on the elevator. And so this was a big deal for them to get water up there. But not only that, then you got to the point where toilets started to back up because it wasn't able to flush out. And uh, so you would have that in a high rise as well. Uh, if you're higher up, like you're on the 90 story floor or whatever, it might take a lot longer. But I don't know, it might it might fill up pretty quickly and you might be dealing with uh, poop coming through uh, through your toilet, you know, sewage coming through. And that's just nasty to think about. So, uh, you know, when you think about all of those kinds of things, that's something that you do need to to pay attention to. Um, you know, how are you going to use the restroom? And of course, there's all different kinds of we've done posts and, and all those kinds of things on how to take care of that. Uh, so you have that. So but, you know, if you are one of those in an apartment and, or, you know, you're like, I don't know if I can maintain uh, my ability to 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 last here for whatever reason. Um, if there is a situation where you need to bug out, you know, like, man, I, if there is the, the poop hits the fan, if it's SHTF, whatever, I need to go, then you, you more than likely, uh, you need to have a place where, first of all, you need to, you need to be able to do it right away. You can't prolong it. You can't hang out for a couple of days. You got to go as soon as you can pack up and go before things start breaking down. 
The other thing, though, is you need to find a place where you can go. You need to have a family member where that is, uh, you know, that maybe is out in the country, um, you know, that is in a you know better situated, maybe in the suburbs, something like that, that you talk with and you say, hey, look, if there ever things go bad in the city, and, you know, right now, you can talk about those kinds of things because we have crazy things going on in cities and stuff like that, and it's easy. So you could say, you know what, I've seen some of these riots and some of these places, and let's just say things kind of get out of control in my city, you know. Um, could I come and could our family come and stay at your house uh, to weather the storm? And if they say yes, and well, hey, can I, can I, you know, uh, can I pre-supply? Can I put some things aside somewhere? Do you have some room where I can put some things so I can, uh, you know, maybe some extra food for our family, maybe some extra clothes, maybe some supplies that, you know, if we have to leave very quickly that we can get to. And if they say, no, I don't have any room, well, maybe you, you rent a storage, uh, a, a storage uh, area, you know, and uh, you can go in there you want to be careful. You don't want to just take in buckets of food. A lot of the times they won't allow that. But you can, uh, you know, if it is boxed up or you're able to hide the, the fact that it is food, well, then, you know, th they wouldn't really question it. You're just moving boxes in or whatever like that. So uh, you might need to get one of those little storage areas and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, put some stuff there so that if uh, there was a situation, you can get to it. So anyway, I, I like this idea because I don't ever want anyone to ever get to a point where it's like, you know what, there's no use in me preparing. That's not true. There's always there's always uh, a way for you to prepare and there's always a way for you to uh, you know to plan it out. You just need to think about it. And if you're if you're not, you know, if you need some help thinking through some ideas, come over to the Facebook group and drop it in there. You know, there's we have a lot of people over there right now that they're sharing things and uh, I. I don't. I don't like it when people start to get rude and people start to get You know, really. You know, sarcasm. I, I'm sarcastic, so I don't want to say sarcasm, but where they just get real rude, like it's cutting. You know, and uh, you see that a lot of the time. So come over to the Facebook group at uh, a more self reliant life.com. You can go there. Come to the Prepper website podcast.com. You go straight over there and join it, and then you can drop some questions like, "Hey, I lived in this, this, and this." And you'll probably get a, a wide range of ideas and some things to think through. Or maybe you already are, you're a part of a forum where people are a little bit more, you know, accepting and they're not going to, you know, ridicule you, ridicule you or, or go that way with you. Um, you know, you can, you can drop some questions down in there and they might be able to, to help you uh, flesh it out and come up with, uh, help you come up with some ideas that maybe you haven't thought about. All right, so that's over at Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. Go check that one out. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, there's some comments there that you're going to want to uh, want to look at, some people that have given some advice. All right, the next article is entitled Tools to Help You Maintain Situational Awareness in Your Local Community. This is actually my, uh, this is from my website, edthatmatters.com. And I got to tell you, um, I don't have very many comments on this one, but this is the most shared article that I have ever had. I ever had. And so uh, I, I, I will, I'll be very honest with you. A lot of the times when I write articles, I keep, I keep them in the hole, you know, in, on, on the website, and I don't, I don't post them. So I always have like two or three articles ready to go. I only try to post about two articles on Ed That Matters a week. I don't try to do more than that. Um, so that's kind of the schedule that I've, I've tried to keep up with, and I really don't have 
uh, you know, specific days or anything uh, to, to post. It just kind of um, my time frame and how, how things are going. Uh, right now, I feel like I'm slammed. But I wrote this one even, I wrote this one before Hurricane Harvey and uh, have uh, was just kind of sitting on it. But then after Hurricane Harvey, I put into, you know, I used some of the, a lot of the things that were going on here. And um, I added some notes. Uh, and so when I did post it, I was able to post it after Hurricane Harvey, between Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. And, uh, you know, hopefully help some people out there. But, I, you know, again, it's one of the most shared articles from the website. And, um, you know, it just keeps getting shared out over and over again. And so there's a lot of... Uh, uh, traffic coming from social media and things like that. So let's go ahead and read this one. Hopefully it's it's beneficial to you. Uh, you'll see that it's beneficial and there's some, some things that you can take advantage of so that you can monitor. You know, I'm always talking about staying aware and uh, staying, you know, up to date on what's going on in uh, in the world. But, you know, really, you also need to be aware of what's going on in your local community. And this is a easy some easy ways to do that. Let's get started. Situational awareness is a topic that often comes up in preparedness. It's important to consider your surroundings. Things can change in a matter of moments. By being aware, you might be able to foresee any issues that might come your way. The other day I was watching for my wife to come out of a store. I noticed a young mom with two little girls walking to her car. Not two feet behind her, a man was walking right behind her. At first, they were so close that I thought it was her husband. However, they never acknowledged each other. Then the thought crossed my mind he could be getting ready to rob her. I pulled up a little further so I could have a good eye on what was happening. As she turned to her vehicle, the man turned towards his. The man could have just been walking to his vehicle. However, I know that when I'm that close to someone, I purposely move to one side or the other not to worry them. This guy didn't do it. This young mom had two small children. I'm a father. Sometimes getting kids into the car is like corralling cats. But we are living in a new day and an age. Situational awareness. Think about it on a bigger scale. Being situationally aware when you leave your home is very important. However, I would like to discuss situational awareness on a bigger scale. Your community. Having knowledge of what is going on in your community is important. We don't live in a bubble. What is happening on the other side of town or just a few streets over can have an impact on your family and your safety. Here are a few tools that can help you know what is going on many times in real time. Uh, next door. Next door is a social media for your neighborhood. There your neighbors can post on anything from for sale items, lost and found, to crime. Recently a scout mom posted about the local scout troop selling mulch to raise money for their troop. I found out through next door and ordered 10 bags. The cool thing is that they delivered the bags to my backyard. If it was only that easy every year. One of the cool aspects of this service is that I can add neighborhoods around my area. So if I wanted to know about all the local garage sales, I could add other neighborhoods close by other than mine. One thing to consider is that you will get a few whiny people posting about kids running stop signs and popping off fireworks. You can set the app only to alert you when someone posts a quote-unquote emergency post. You can also set the app to send you a daily email summary instead of letting you know about every new post. This is a valuable website app and I suggest everyone to at least look into it. Disclaimer. As with all social media, be careful when you sh what you share on it. You can use this app and many others without divulging any real information. I did link to a video here that shows, uh, it, it's actually a newscast on using Nextdoor, the Nextdoor app. 
Um, note, I wrote this article before Hurricane Harvey. This app proved to be invaluable in the information that neighbors were sharing. I was glad to have it and received very timely information as well as information from older neighbors who had knowledge on how the neighborhood drained. And so let me uh, let me just I'll just talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this beforehand. So uh, when the water was rising, we were of course um, we had already uh, I, I had already put in my head that I was we were going to flood and we were going to have to deal with it and all that kind of stuff. I was already resolved with that, um, but it, it didn't. But one of the things that I was following was the the, the next door app. There were some ladies that after the last uh, and you might have heard it referred to as the tax day flood. The water got so high on us, you know, my neighbors were saying it never had gotten that high before. And uh, so that really prompted me to go ahead and, because I had asked before on different times, water would come up to the curb and then it would drain really quick. And so, you know, we never really thought about it at all. I had asked before about flood insurance, but, you know, they were like, no, it's never flooded here before ever. The back of the neighborhood floods, but we've never flooded here before ever. So after that tax day flood, when they said that it came up higher than than they'd ever uh, than it ever had before, I'm like, you know what? Next time we we might not be in the clear. So I went ahead and bought flood insurance, and I was I was glad for it. You know, my uh, my boss did the same thing. Her house, her area had never flooded before, and this last one with Hurricane Harvey did flood, and uh, so she she you know she had the flood insurance for that, and she had the same idea because during the tax day flood, it the waters rose higher than it ever had, and so she was like, you know what, I need to go ahead and just bite the bullet, and so if you're ever in that situation, um, you know. Flood insurance, if you don't have it, you have to pay the premium all up front, but it's not that expensive, uh, you know, four or $500, and uh, you, you pay it all up front, but it definitely is worth it if you ever wind up flooding. I, I guarantee you the people that have it uh, now in Houston are just so glad that they have it. And uh, I've heard some horror stories about other people that are having issues with insurance, but my boss is having very good in, uh, good, good uh, experiences uh, they're moving pretty quickly on it, so I kind of I think it just depends on who you have uh, that comes out and how quickly they move. But I learned on the Nextdoor uh, app that there were some ladies after the, uh, the 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 floods that started really looking into why is our neighborhood flooding. And so back in the back, we have a you know a bio whatever, and people would go back there, and it's kind of uh, isolated. So if you're not uh, paying attention, people can go back there and throw all kinds of stuff. So they were finding that there was, you know, garbage bags of, of uh, leaves and, uh, you know, mattresses and, and tires and all kinds of stuff that was back there that was causing the water to back up and not to be able to drain. Not only that, the, the drainage system that was there hadn't been cleaned out in years and there was all this built up sludge. There was all this uh, vegetation that had kind of uh, built up around it. And so she really, they, these two ladies petitioned the county to get in there and clean it. And uh, so they were, they stayed on them and they, I mean, they created a website. There was, so it was a grassroots thing. And I'm really appreciative of these women. And so people were, uh, were sending them kudos during the thing because it wasn't flooding as bad as, as people thought it would. Now it did flood in the back. They did, you know, people did have to uh, tear out uh, sheetrock and all that carpet and all that kind of stuff, but it, it didn't flood as bad as it could have flooded. And so uh, due to these ladies, so, you know, during those times where uh, we still had power, I was, I was reading up on all the things that they were doing. And still, there's a lot of stuff the county still hadn't done. Uh, but, you know, even the like, toxic sludge, man, you know, the sludge that they pull out, 
and and uh, it was just it's nasty you know they had it tested and stuff and they weren't getting rid of it they were just you know leaving it there uh you know after they were digging it out and so they stayed on them and so kudos to them um i also found out that the front of the neighborhood so the like i said the front of the neighborhood where i live doesn't do, didn't flood although the water got really really high the back of the neighborhood did. I found out that the front of the neighborhood empties out into the tributaries that go into White Oak Bayou. Now, if you're not in Houston, that doesn't mean anything to you. But White Oak Bayou was one that they were saying was was flooded. You know, had historic. You know, all all our bayous and stuff and rivers had historic flooding. But this one, um, you know, this one was wasn't. Uh, it was running a little bit better than all the other ones, and so. Uh, we found out that the front of the neighborhood was draining that way. The back of the neighborhood was going into little to uh, a little uh, creek that that went into a big creek that was at record stages, like historic stages, and and that's why they flooded. And so that's why our our water went down a little bit faster than their water went down. And so uh, you know, learn that from next door. So there's a, there's a lot of things that you can learn uh, on that. Like I said, you're gonna have to deal with some whiny people during Fourth of July and stuff like that. Uh, if you have kids that have bought fireworks and they're they're popping them on July 7th and July 8th and that kind of stuff, you know, people whine and complain and, and those kinds of things. And and uh, you're gonna have that. But I think it's a good um, definitely a good app to have. All right, so let's go ahead and keep moving. I'm going really long on this one. Um, the next one is Facebook groups. Facebook is one of those things. It can be a blessing or a curse. If you use it the way I'm describing in the section, it can be a blessing. Many neighborhoods have a group on Facebook. My neighborhood has a group that is not very active, although when things do happen, people post on it. However, I'm a member of a group that encompasses a good portion of the suburbs I live in. This group is specific to sharing about crime and emergency issues. Sometimes it is shocking to see so many things going on around the area, but I want to know what areas are safe and if I need to let my family know they need to avoid certain areas. Often members of the group will post on police activity and crimes. I have seen people post on tires being stolen, people trying to enter vehicles at night, and more. There's usually pics and video to go along with it. It was, a really, help, it was really helpful about a year ago when Northwest Houston was flooded. Members of the group posted in real time areas that were impassable and when areas were cleared. This group had the most up-to-date information than any other source, including the major TV affiliates. In this scenario, it was very helpful. It's like people want to report on what's, what is going on. Their desire is, is to, for your benefit and will help you stay aware. To find a local group, get on Facebook and start searching for your neighborhood or suburbs. And so I do have a... Uh, just a, uh, a picture of uh, the neighborhood uh, watch that I'm on. And it just shows, you know, it's a clear picture of people that have, a lot of people are starting to put up cameras and stuff for security reasons. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, one of the things that's getting stolen a lot are like the tires. And uh, it sucks. It seemed like almost every day they were posting, uh, you know, uh, a nice looking truck or suburban or, or SUV that was on blocks and they taking their taking the tires and um, I, there was this one video that no joke it was done within a minute in a minute they had these tires off it was about three or four guys they had these tires off and in uh, loaded and they were gone and so I mean I was watching that video and I timed it and it was crazy but anyway so uh, you know you can go search for that and I, there's just that little example there no 
Again, this Facebook group proved to be a very valuable resource during Hurricane Harvey. I was informed of road closures and what the area outside of my immediate neighborhood looked like. Next one is Twitter. You might not have considered it, but Twitter is a great place for news. Many times, the world and national news hit Twitter way before you will see it anywhere else. So instead of filling up my feed on the Kardashians and the latest Hollywood Yahoo, I follow accounts that provide news. But for the sake of this article, I want to point out that you can follow your local news and emergency services. So for example, I follow at Alert Houston. And so uh, I, I embedded a post here. So uh, gosh, when I did this one, I think it was like July, the end of July when I did it, or middle of July, because that's uh, July 15th is the, uh, the alert that I embedded there. I also follow FEMA Region 6, which includes Texas, so I can avoid the camps. That's, that was a sarcastic uh, line there. Uh, I could also add the Houston Police and Fire Departments, but the Alert Houston Twitter handle does a decent job. It shouldn't be your primary source for local news, but I believe everyone should learn to navigate Twitter and use it as a channel for quick information. You can go to my Twitter account and follow some of the same news organizations that I do. I tend to follow organizations on both, side of the, both sides of the aisle so I can stay up on what they are thinking and saying. Next one is Crime Reports. This is a website. Another website that offers information on what is going on around your local area is Crime Reports. I'm not going to go into detail here because I did a write-up a while back called Checking Crime Reports. This is a website that you should visit because you can drill down to your local neighborhood, even your own street, to see what types of crimes have been reported. Uh, Broadcastify. This website allows you to listen to police, fire, EMS, aviation, and rail scanner feeds. Use the map and drill down to your local area. Make sure that you pay careful attention to the stereo feeds. These are feeds that have multiple feeds coming out of two different channels. So for example, the left side of the speaker broadcasts the feed for sev several agencies where the right side of the speaker broadcasts the other. And uh, so that's, that was kind of hard to, to figure out what was going on there. But uh, you would have to do your balance. So if you're interested in, in the, the, you know, a certain feed, you would have to do your balance and, and only listen to the left side to get that. Uh, Broadcastify has an app for iPhone and Androids that you, can, that Androids that you can download. There are many other scanner apps out there as well. Final word. With our busy lives, it is easy to get distracted with all the things we have to do. But our world is getting crazy out there. It is just smart to stay aware of your surroundings. Using these tools mentioned above make it a little easier. Are there any tools, website, apps that you use that could be helpful to the community? So if you do have some, uh, some uh, apps that you use, feel free to come drop those down here. Um, and so uh, you know, Simon said in the comments that he signed up for Nextdoor in the UK. Um, yeah, because his girlfriend had been getting a lot of unwanted attention. So maybe you know, he can get some information about what's going on in his local neighborhood. So anyway, that's uh, over at edthatmatters.com. Uh, go check that out, and you might want to, you know, uh, get that Nextdoor app and and see if you like it or not. You know, the thing about apps is you can check them out if they're not any good. I, I don't post, a, I don't put a lot of junk on my phone. I don't like to, you know, a phone is a smartphone is going, to, it's like a mini computer. The more you fill it up, uh, the hard drive, the slower it runs, and uh, you know, the more mess you have to deal with. 
so I don't put games and all that kind of junk on my. I'm, okay, so I, like I, I have a chess game that I play. So like if I'm super bored and I don't have anything else that I could possibly do, I'll uh, I'll do the chess game. And sometimes I just like it because it gives me a, a chance to kind of think and um, not really think about anything else, but I'm still thinking uh, and playing chess. But uh, uh, I don't fill it up with all the other junk that's out there. Uh, so you know when I, if I download an app. Uh, that I don't like, I usually delete it right away if it's if I don't if it's not uh, very useful to me. So edthatmatters.com, go check that one out. Uh, our next article, our last article, comes to us from the survivalistblog.net, and uh, this article is protecting electronics and cars from an EMP. Simple, easy, and effective. And so uh, that's it's one of the things that EMPs are always popular. This is the MD Creek Moore's website, so there's a lot of comments here that you can go check out. There's 54 comments, uh, and this article was written by Dr. Arthur Bradley. He also has a uh, he has a, a website um, that uh, see I'll mention it here, DisasterPreparer.com, and uh, you can go there and check those out. Uh, you definitely you know you can link to it from the article. Uh, I I'm not familiar. I I might. I might have visited his website before. It kind of looks familiar, but I haven't hit it recently. Uh, he doesn't normally put out like articles that uh, that I would have his feed. You know, uh, it's more like a, a static website uh, where you know you might have a page or you know like the old style websites or whatever. But uh, he uh, he's putting a lot of information out there on EMPs, and I know people ask this question all the time. And so I think this will be very, very helpful for those of you who are concerned about EMPs or CMEs. And recently, with the solar flares that we have had, um, man, it, it's, uh, it, it's been kind of crazy. And so uh, there might be some things that you might want to take advantage of uh, in this article to uh, maybe save some electronics. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. Perhaps the question that I'm asked most often regarding EMP attacks is how to protect various types of electronic equipment. The answer is that it depends on what you're trying to protect. Small items such as radio, cell phones, LED flashlights, etc. can be stored in homemade Faraday cages. To learn how to build one using aluminum foil, check out my article, How to Make Your Own Faraday Cage at Home, Quick, Easy, and Effective. And so again, there's a lot of links in this article, so you're probably going to want to definitely come check this one out. Some people prefer to build a Faraday cage using the ad hoc container such as a galvanized garbage can, ammo can, or gun safe. See my video to learn about the importance of properly sealing an ad hoc cage. Note that many people advocate building Faraday cages out of chicken wire. For a clear demonstration of why this isn't a good idea, see my video. And he's linking to his YouTube videos that you can go check out. Testing shielding effectiveness of galvanized garbage can. Perhaps the easiest way to protect small-scale electronics is to store them in EMP bags, also known as anti-static bags. There are many types of EMP bags on the market, so it's definitely a case of buyer beware. I tested a dozen different EMP bags and found that the shielding they offered range anywhere from 10 decibels, a factor of 3 reduction in electric field strength, to greater than 50 decibels, a reduction of 316 in electric field strength. More info about the bags that provided the best protection as well as how they were tested is available at disasterprepared.com EMP bags. Um, one of, when I went to his website, one of the things that he, uh, and so for the video, I'm going to go ahead and go there. Um, he, he mentioned that people have a hard time finding, uh, finding the bags in 
uh, small amounts where they can afford them. And so what he's done, he's become a reseller of them. So you can go to his website and you can uh, purchase, um, you know, different bags uh, for various, you know, various sizes for various amounts. So you, again, like I said, you're going to want to go check this one out. Protecting generators, vehicles, and solar panels. Protecting larger items such as generators, solar panels, and vehicles require a different approach. The easiest way I've found to protect the larger electronic items is to cover them with conductive cloth. I tested 25 types of EMP cloth and found one that met the following important metrics. Good shielding protection, easily sewn, durable, safe to handle, won't tarnish or rust, low surface conductivity, and reasonable cost. The cloth is made with nearly invisible stainless steel fibers and feels like a lightweight denim. It can be sewn by hand or with a sewing machine. The material is durable and safe to handle and doesn't contain silver or nickel. Also, it has low surface conductivity, meaning that it can be grounded very easily, usually by just allowing it to drape onto the ground or a concrete floor. Note that it works even if not grounded. See explanation below about shielding. More info about EMP cloth can be found at disasterprepared.com EMP cloth. Testing 25 types of conductive cloth. Using EMP cloth is easy. Simply wrap it around or drape it over the ob object to be protected. If it is draped, ideally you want the cloth to touch the ground all the way around the object. That said, even if it doesn't touch the ground, it will still provide very good protection. See next, par next paragraph for the reason why. Below is a photo of a car cover that I tested that was made from the EMP cloth. Testing showed that it provided between 30 and 40 decibels of protection across frequencies from 10 100 gigahertz to 1 gigahertz. 100, I'm sorry, 100 kilohertz to 1 gigahertz. Portable generators and solar generation systems that are not in use are also easily protected in the same manner. One question I get asked quite often is how can a car cover placed over a metal car possibly, possibly work? The answer requires understanding that there are two ways to protect electronics. The first is to fully enclose the object in a conductive housing, also known as a Faraday cage. When an incident field is present, charge carriers on the surface of the conductor move around to effectively cancel the field that is seen inside. The second method is more conventional shielding. Placing a conductive barrier in the path of an RF wave causes attenuation due to two mechanisms, reflection and absorption. When you place the conductive cloth over the car, it acts as a shield, causing both reflection and absorption of incoming RF energy. By allowing it to come into contact with the ground, you also create an imperfect Faraday cage, one in which the ground acts as the bottom of the cage. Yes, the earth is a modest conductor. To see this yourself, ride down a slide until your hair stands up. They then touch the earth and watch as the charge bleeds off. Some items must remain plugged in all the time. Covering them still provides some protection, but large transient transients can come in through the corded connections. There are numerous ways to suppress transients that might come in on the wires, including metal oxide varistors or MOVs, transient voltage suppressors, TVSs, and ferrets. Each of these operates on a different principle. MOVs change impedance as voltage increases, TVSs turn on to shunt away excess energy, and ferrets use magnetic fields to resist change in current. Of the three, ferrets are the easiest to use. Simply click, clip them around the wire and they provide immediate transient suppression. Also unlike MOVs and TVSs, they are not damaged by transients. 
I reviewed several hundred ferrets and selected a handful that provided broadband protection. For more information about ferrets, include, including saturation and the importance of looping to increase suppression, see disasterprepare.com slash EMP ferrets. For more information about protecting against an EMP attack, see disasterprepare.com EMP solar storm or pick up a copy of Disaster Preparedness for EMP Attacks and Solar Storms. Finally, if you have questions about any topic related to EMP protection, feel free to, e to send me an email at arthur at disasterpreparer.com. Alright, so like I said, uh, that's information that I know that a lot of people are really interested in. And of course, if you went over to Prepper website, you're going to, uh, you know, you've already hit that. But if, you are, if you're not going over to Prepper website, uh, you know, you've, you've heard that information and you can go over now to uh, the Survivalist blog in, in, or, or in the show notes, go over to Survivalist blog and link over to his website and, uh, you know, find all the information about that. And you, you might have a couple of radios, you might have some, some small things, you might have uh, a tablet that's just dedicated to all these books preparedness books and you want to be able to save them you know in case there's an EMP so you can get uh, one of these bags and you can save it you know and so that's very uh, very doable financially you know very uh, affordable for you to do and uh, again a lot of information on uh, you know in the comment section there always is over there at uh, MD's uh, website and then tons of articles and videos that you want to go check out so, uh, like I said just now, you know, if if you uh, if you're coming to the podcast and you're fairly new, uh, you know, you're you're coming in new to it, uh, we we link to a lot of preparedness information over at Prepper website, and so uh, you know, if you're if you're not getting your fill with just the podcast on on the daily podcast, you know, go over to Prepper website. Uh, we're 24/7 over there. Uh, we're not 24/7, but seven days a week we're posting uh, articles over on uh, Prepper website, uh, prepperwebsite.com. All right. Well, uh, that's it for uh, the Wednesday podcast. Thanks so much for hanging in there with me. Appreciate all of your support. Hey, if you get a chance, come hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I always love to hear uh, feedback from other people, from listeners that are out there, and what you think and uh, what's going on and what's going on in your preparedness. You know, uh, do you have questions about your preparedness? Uh, you know, I stay pretty busy, but the Facebook group is a great place to go, and uh, you know, people are, are uh, always willing to offer information out there. And, uh, you know, there's some people that are that are just there lurking and there's other people that are out there actually, you know, providing information. And then there's some people that are lurking and then they start jumping in there. And uh, that's always cool. Hey, if you haven't joined the email list, come check out the email list and, uh, you know, over at the Prepper website podcast.com. And then uh, when you do that, you get to be part of or you automatically get uh, enrolled into the free e-course uh, Build a More Self-Reliant Life. And uh, so you'll get... Uh, a weekly email with a preparedness item and it's not something cheap you know uh, I've talked about this before in the past but I've enrolled in some of those e-courses before and like I got a small paragraph you know that was the 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 e-course the e that I received you know on the weekly the weekly email that I got it was just a, a paragraph and I wanted something more I wanted something that was you know that was beneficial and then in that you have some action steps and so uh, you know I've always received some you know good feedback from that uh, from from the e-course but then you also are a part of the email list on that and I, I try to send out something something valuable to the email list every week all right 
So uh, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.